Welcome to Identity Talk, a show dedicated to unearthing stories about compelling people, doing compelling things, and making compelling discoveries about who they are. I'm Jana Lopez, your hostess. Each episode of Identity Talk, you'll discover illuminating conversations with guests from all walks of life. My life's mission as a book coach, writing guide, and retreat leader is to guide people like you towards clarity and connection through writing. I blend experience and intuition to take your writing to unimaginable results in your creativity and productivity. I offer private and small group retreats in stunning Santa Fe, New Mexico. I'm the published author of the acclaimed book, Me, My Selfie, and I. If it's time to unearth your own stories, write that book and need clarity, guidance, or support, visit JanaLopez.com. And now, let the unearthing of stories begin on Identity Talk with Jana Lopez. Good afternoon and welcome to Identity Talk with Jana Lopez on a very beautiful December afternoon. And I'm super excited. As many of you know that listen to the show and have followed me and know a little bit about who I am and what I care about, on this show in particular, I always interview somebody who I feel has some interesting stories and also has deep connections to things that I care about, such as art or uh, community service or uh, stories. You know, the whole thing for me is about stories. So I try to find interesting people with interesting stories. And in this case, today's show will not disappoint. James Dillon is the singer of Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience, but he is also so much more as an artist and somebody who expresses himself in the world. So I want to say I had hoped to interview James for quite a while because I follow him. We're we're friends on Facebook. And I first saw Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience, I want to say in Portland, Oregon at the Arlene Schnitzer concert hall. And I want to say 10 years ago, maybe. That's probably right. About 10 years ago is when it all started. Uh, Technically, it's probably 12 years ago that I met Jason at this point in time. Uh, But uh, 10 years ago was probably around, you know, when we were just getting out there. Yeah, and I want to definitely talk. There's so many questions I have, but let's just start with, well, we'll just talk about Jason and how this all came about. And I mean, I find it fascinating that you were just probably a guy doing your thing, doing your art, singing, writing, drawing and doing your thing. And then all of a sudden, I mean, similar like to the journey, the guy who's in journey, right? The lead singer, he was discovered on the internet. Is that similar? Very similar. Um, I was uh, sort of in the in the process of getting to know a girl who is Avril, my wife now. And uh, in the process of doing that, I one day brought out a guitar to play for her. And uh, I played some, you know, of the music that we both shared in common, which was Led Zeppelin. And uh, we have a lot of common music that we listen to. 
But on this particular date, I did get up the courage to bring the guitar along. And she said, wow, you, you really uh, should be doing this. You know, this is something that uh, I had put away uh, since I was in my 20s. Uh, the playing the guitar or yeah, the, yeah. Either way. yeah it, it, it was sort of a decision I made when uh, my first children were born mm -hmm. uh, and uh, at that point in time I figured you know well, you know I'm 27 years old at this point uh, there are no rock stars that start when they're 27 so. <laughs> oh my uh, so I stopped for a very long time and uh, when I did meet this young lady I uh, I was just taken by her. She was alive. And uh, uh, I had just gone through a divorce. Uh, so it was a difficult time for me. And during that time, I awakened and uh, saw that she was noticing the world around her and very much in the now. And uh, she, she would bring her camera along to these dates and take pictures of literally anything and everything along our journey. And the things that she saw made me aware that I was missing a lot. <laughs> so at that point in time, I also uh, started taking pictures and my, my first pictures weren't very good at all. I didn't know what to take pictures of. Uh, she was the one who really uh, made me notice the, the little world, you know? So a lot of my photographs get up very close. I relate to that hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, and the and the things that we'd find when we'd walk are are what we would take pictures of, and it didn't matter what it was, uh, just to find what was really interesting about the things upon our walk. And uh, as I was saying before, I played guitar on one of these dates, and she uh, said, "You've really got to do this. This is something you're good at." And so I brought the guitar along on other dates, but at this point in time, we lived about forty-five minutes apart from one another. And uh, I uh, knew that uh, she wanted to hear more recordings. And uh, I mean, I put together some just for that particular reason. She wanted to know if she could listen to my music while I wasn't there. So the initial reason for recording it was for her specifically. Uh, and I posted some of this stuff on YouTube for her so she could uh, log in and, and check out some of the videos that I'd done specifically for her. But interestingly enough, those videos were found by uh, uh, Jason and the guys in Led Zeppelin. So uh, <laughs> I've heard just... a couple different versions of it. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really uh, uh, the stars aligned all at once. And uh, how it went down was at least these are the two versions that I've heard that one of the individuals uh, brought the recordings in. I think it was probably Jason because I've heard him say that a number of times uh, that he was the one responsible for bringing the recording in and uh, they listened to it. Uh, and there was a period of time, as you know, when they were actually considering going back on the road. Uh, this was during that time, and there were a couple of singers. I've heard some of the auditions with the other singers. One of them was Steven Tyler, and he was just absolutely amazing with the guys in Led Zeppelin. Uh, so even though they didn't end up going back on the road, they did uh, have that brief moment when they considered it, and I was among a few people who were being considered for that. Okay, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Before, before you go on... 
<laughs> so with the story, there's, there's two things that come to my mind. Who thinks that they can even come close to sounding like Robert Plant, right? Like <laughs> who even thinks or dreams? I mean, even if it's your natural born talent and you've got this amazing voice, right? Who even thinks when you put it on there that Jason Bonham would sit there and say, wow, maybe this is the dude, right? Like, <laughs> how, how do you even unpack that? Well, I, it even gets stranger than that. I, I was a kid and I remember thinking I was a little too young to be in Led Zeppelin and every, there were members, but, <laughs> but I thought, you know, if, if there's one of them that has a child, uh, maybe that would be more my generation and uh, entertained this whole thing, especially after I saw the song Remains the Same. And I saw a kid playing drums on there that was John Bonham's son. And I thought, wow. This is incredible. Yeah. And even stranger than that, uh, down the road a little bit later, uh, I went to see Jason Bonham uh, in New Jersey. And uh, I remember my friends, I said, this is an amazing band. Uh, I believe it was Virginia Woolf. And uh, I said, who are these guys? And he said, well, that's actually the son of John Bonham. Oh, my God. So, that gives me chills. <laughs> I'm entertaining it more. And when I met Avril, uh, that even kind of perpetuated even further. We were uh, at our first Christmas together and uh, we were trying to decide what to get for one or another. And I said, I'd really like to get you a TV. And so we went shopping for a television. And we found a great TV and it had this new technology called Bluetooth, uh, not Bluetooth, uh, Blu-ray. And uh, so we didn't know much about Blu-ray, but we saw there was a Blu-ray disc being played and it was Foreigner, one of our favorite bands. So we thought we got to get this Blu-ray and uh, <laughs> took the Foreigner uh, disc with the Blu-ray, uh, mm -hmm. our first Blu-ray disc. And uh, what happened from there was we got it home and started watching it immediately. And uh, as I'm watching the Blu-ray, I realized that the drummer has uh, the Bonham symbol on his drums. And uh, I said, I think that's John Bonham's son. And sure enough, you know, we read the liner notes and it's John Bonham's son. So uh, that was interesting as well. Right at the point in time when I'm recording music for her, uh, we, we see this video, uh, Blu-ray video. So uh, it sort of all ties together. Even when I first met Avril, one of the things that uh, we met online, she had a uh, charm on a necklace and it was uh, John Paul Jones ruin from Led Zeppelin IV. Uh, so that was uh, another tie of all these things sort of coming together uh, at once. Uh, and, you know, to answer your question, Jana, about uh, who thinks they sound like Robert Plant, I would believe no one on the planet thinks they sound like Robert Plant. I mean, but, where, um, did you like sing in the shower? Did you sing in the car? Were you an air guitar dude? Like I was a guitar dude. I was I was all about the guitar. I loved Jimmy Page and uh, played. You know, I, I knew all the solos and knew how to play all the licks that uh, Jimmy had done. And uh, I was in band practice long, long ago, and the singer was struggling with some of the Robert Plant lines and more like and came out with it. And the guy yeah. said, you should be singing for this band. So that's how it all started, even though I had no intention 
of being a singer, uh, sometimes you, you get drawn to a place that you didn't anticipate. And there's a lot of, I mean, I think that there's a couple of things working here. One is when you do sing other people, not you personally, but when, when we sing other people's music, on one hand, there's the expectation of what it's supposed to sound like, but yet we bring our own voice to that voice, which can make it interesting. I just think that the enormity and the weight of a Led Zeppelin sound or a Robert Plant sound, because I do have friends that are in a Led Zeppelin tribute band that are amazing. They're called Ramble On, they're in Portland. The singer Rich Ray is, I, I mean, I'm just blown away when I hear him sing because it is very much that same thing where he brings that blues, uh, fire and energy to the voice, but but it's his own voice. And so, um, and I've watched video, I've seen, well, I've seen you guys uh, three times, I think. And it is, I don't want to say shocking. It's on one hand, the music is so alive and present in the moment when I'm listening to it. And of course, Jason's brilliant and, and magical. And it's, there's some, it's timeless and it's timely, I guess, is what I want to say. It's present in the energy of what's coming to the music and coming out from the music and your voice and what you're bringing. Yet there's that connection to Led Zeppelin, to the music, to the moment, like when we would sit and read the liner notes and have the vinyl and put it on and, you know, so, I, I mean, I guess sometimes do you ever feel like it's still like a dream when you imagine? <laughs> I mean, it's really the, the bands that we play with, too. Uh, it's very uh, surreal to me because I listened to these bands when, when I was a kid and had a great appreciation for the musicianship and the, the songwriting. So uh, we've been on the road with heart. Uh, some of my favorite uh, rock and roll uh, musicians of uh, the 70s and uh, also Cheap Trick. That was probably the first band that I really uh, just really inspired me to pick up the guitar and uh, Cheap Trick at Budokan. Well, yeah, right. <laughs> I actually got to sing with these guys one night just by. I was there. Yeah, that was important. That, in Port so that was incredible. in uh, Washington. You wouldn't think in a million years you'd be singing for that band that you initially, uh, you know, that was the thing. It was cheap track. You know, I want to be cheap track. And sure enough, there, you know, all these years later. Oh, my God. It's got to be <laughs> so amazing to there's so many elements to it. You're giving life and new life to this music. You're you're feeling it. You're you're connected to it. And uh, new generations are having access to it. And there's so much. And the music is forever. There's just no way you can say Led Zeppelin without thinking that that particular music will will go on forever. But it's interesting to see. I didn't really realize that there were so many magical components that led up to these pieces to where a lot of synchronicity. Yeah. No right. Question. Yeah. Um, I, I think that uh, probably, uh, you know, in any dream that I would have ever had, it would have been hard to imagine that all of these things would line up at some point. So you yeah. got the call saying, Hey, <laughs> I mean, did yeah, Jason call, call you or one of their guys? Yeah, well, that was that was the interesting part about it. He uh, uh, had someone else call me. Uh, yeah. It was somebody who knew all the band. And my initial response was, you know, how do I know 
who you are, you know? And he said, no, I'm, I'm really someone who knows the band quite well. He sent me some JPEGs of him with the band. So I was a little bit more uh, thinking this could be somebody who knows them. Uh, but he said, what they're asking me is, is this for real? You know, the way this guy sings. And so uh, I said, well, I can quickly put that one to rest. And I picked up a guitar and played a couple of songs for him. And he said, well, um, tomorrow you'll be getting a call from one of the guys. And I said, okay. And we hung up and that was that. <laughs> and I thought, who on earth is putting you know, me on to this level? This really seemed like a really elaborate joke of some, some type. And uh, so the next day, I nearly forgot about it. I, uh, you know, was just kind of thinking somebody is really getting the best of me here. And uh, I get another call and I pick up uh, and I said, hello. And it's somebody with an English accent. Now. Oh, shit. <laughs> shit so starts I to get real. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm thinking the joke is really right. going too far. You know? Someone <laughs> is really putting it on. And uh, so I was listening more than I was saying anything. And he said, are you still there? And I said, yes, I'm, I'm listening to your voice. I'm trying to figure out who this is. And he said, no, it's really Jason Bonham. And oh my uh, God. yeah, oh my God. And, uh, from there, he, he talked about, he said, yeah, I was listening to you with the guys and uh, just want you to know everybody thinks you're outstanding. And uh, you know, even though you know uh, that never manifested as uh, the avenue, he sort of kept in touch with me over time, um, and said, you know, uh, various things along the way. I'm trying to think of what we could do together, but I uh, really would like to play. And at one point, he asked me to come down to Florida, so we could have a little bit of time to uh, jam. And I was absolutely shocked that it was getting to that point, you know, where uh, now I was going to see this guy. Oh my and God. as it turned out, he was really easy to talk to and, uh, you know, uh, really uh, just a regular person, which I didn't imagine. I don't know what I imagined, but him just being a regular guy was not what I thought. Uh, but he he's very, uh, uh, you know, disarming when you meet him. And yeah, he's uh, very down to earth. I, I did meet him one time and um, it isn't what you would expect. And there is such a joy in his playing purely for the music. And he had done his own things. And I can't imagine the children of these super talented, iconic legends trying to carve their own place in the music world or in art or expression having to follow on the heels you think about julian lennon or you think about just saw the eagles and deacon was there playing and so there are these and frank zappa's kid you know following his path but you know if you have access to the people and the conversations and the creativity and that energy and you're around it all the time through osmosis you have to imagine that that level of capacity would be there the love would be there. I can uh, tell you for sure, being up there uh, with him, the sound is startling. Uh, he is the greatest living drummer right now. And uh, to be a part of that, it's, I mean, there are moments that I just, I, you know, it, it is shocking how well he plays. 
the whole band, uh, I, I think that the, this assembly of individuals is uh, uh, well, well thought. These are the finest musicians that I've ever heard. Uh, Dorian Hartsong, uh, he's not just a bass player. He started out on the drums. He's a phenomenal drum drummer and uh, he uh, plays mandolin. He's, uh, uh, he was in Power Man 5000 as you probably knew about him. Uh, phenomenal bass player. So uh, to have him as uh, the other component of the, uh, uh, the, the, the rhythm of this band, I think uh, that's an outstanding uh, thing to begin with. But then you start putting on, you have Alex Howland on the keyboards, phenomenal keyboardist you know when he's playing no quarter it's to me he isn't playing note for note what he's doing is he is understanding the intent of the song on a very deep level and uh working within the context of what that intent is and uh it is a thrill to listen to him i i step off stage during uh the, the middle section of no quarter and listen to the band and they are my favorite band <laughs> That's so great. I mean, I love that. I, I love that. I could I could feel it when you describe it. I can feel the kinetic, organic sort of connections between each of you and each of you to the music and each of you to the, you know, the fans and the I mean, I can feel all of it. There's so there's so much there. Let me just talk about one other individual. Jimmy yes, please. He came in later, so um, he had some big shoes to fill. Uh, we had an, an amazing guitar player to begin with. Uh, Tony, Tony uh, Catania, he was with us for probably seven years. And uh, then all at once we were uh, uh, looking for a guitar player. It didn't really seem that there were very many people that could really do what we needed done. Uh, but there was an individual from Tokyo and we reached out to him and it happened to be that uh, he also wanted to uh, be a part of the project, thank goodness, because he's also a great guy. So we uh, got a phenomenal guitar player, uh, uh, great guitarist all the way around. I mean, we when we're in uh, sound check, he'll be playing uh, yes or, you know, he, he knows it all, but Jimmy Page is certainly, uh, He's, he's got the corner of that uh, all to himself. As I was saying before, we, we had, had this displacement happen that really there weren't a whole lot of people that could come into it. So manifesting somebody that not only fit so well in the band, uh, but also had the same energy. There was an awful lot of stage interaction that was almost second nature, almost you can anticipate uh, somebody, uh, what they're going to do. And Jimmy brought a lot of that sort of serendipity of music. You know, the, the, the you know, he's right there behind you. You don't want to back up too far because he's literally right there. The same thing happens musically. You don't necessarily know in advance what he's going to play, but when you feel you're approaching a part of the music, you know, he'll approach it a certain way because it's second nature to you. He's very, uh, his nature is very much like the rest of ours. I have so much respect for that knowing, and I have so much respect for that willingness to put yourself out there or ourselves out there in a way that brings it all to life, to be connected to it at such a deep level and to be able to have that feeling 
without the words. And it's all about the music and all about the connection. So that first time when you met Jason and you jammed, did you feel a little bit of pressure? Was there excitement? Was there stress? Was there still pinching yourself? Probably a bit of all of those things, you know. Uh, initially, I think uh, before we started playing was the, the the sort of, you know, you don't know him well enough to know very much about him. I think um, as we played, though, um, there were moments of, uh, you know, sort of understanding okay well you know we it's sort of like saying you know do you what music do you like and hearing somebody say they like <laughs> okay we've got a place to start here, but to yes have, you know playing it so very very well it sort of put a few things to rest and uh you know it opened the door for uh conversations and a little bit of laughing and having a good time so it was a very enjoyable experience but of course i'm walking around taking pictures of everything <laughs> tourists you're being the tourist in your own town so to speak i yeah. mean how could you not you know hashtag holy shit i mean i just have to ask this one one other question have you met robert plant no he- i <laughs> I've seen him. Uh, I really love all of the things that he's done, including the stuff with Alison Krauss. I think that's phenomenal work. Uh, maybe some of his best. I've heard the new album and it's amazing again. So yeah. I'm a big fan and I don't know that it matters that I meet him because I'm listening to his music. I'm following the journey. <laughs> no, it's true. And I love that answer. That would be a right time, right place thing if it happens and uh, I'm sure he's seen you and heard you I mean there's just no doubt about it so even knowing those of my artwork I know that much yes (laughs) (laughs) saw your drawing of him and uh can I get one of those to you know (laughs) he's gonna send it to him (laughs) very nice that feels good that feels good I had written an article about somebody who was a top executive of Amazon and Uh, I know that Jeff Bezos had seen the article. I mean, so it was one of those things that it's cool to know that somebody out there in the world has seen your art in some way at that level, right? Yeah, it's appreciated uh, by the people that really it was tribute to. So it's, uh, that's something, you know? It is something. It's a lot of something. And other than Jason. So uh, I think my guess is that uh, the situation that I'm in is probably uh, preferable to any other situation. Because first of all, if Led Zeppelin were ever to get together, of course we want Robert Plant to be the singer, not somebody else. Right. So the thing that worked out uh, through Jason's project was that it allowed everything to be very good as it is, uh, without any need to uh, entertain what would have happened if. (laughs) I mean, that's a really great place because how many people spend their lives wondering what if or wishing it would have been different. And when I have seen you all perform, the joy and the presence is is palpable. Um, The music is alive. You know, they always say if anything ends tomorrow or whatever, like, awesome, you know, I did it. And here I am and I experienced it. And you don't know who you're going to impact or how your art it's going to shift the world or show up for somebody in some other way at another point in time. You're not responsible for how your art or your expression shows up in the world. You just have to be in it and be honest. Yeah, and also be a, allow yourself to move with whatever is happening. You know, so often people put their mind on 
whatever it is that they believe their future holds for them. And I think more than that, we have to be able to go where we're called. You know, this whole thing has been that for me, because as you know, I'm an artist and I love art. I I love uh, painting. I love graphic design. I do all the work for uh, the band. In fact, that's another avenue that didn't start immediately. But as time went on with Jason's uh, band, there were a few times when I posted something, he saw this painting that uh, he really liked. And he said, you know, maybe we could use that somehow. And that was the beginning of it. And before long, I was designing the merch and, uh, you know, with him, he'd uh, have some very specific things that he was looking for. And it gave us an opportunity to uh, work outside of the context of sound when we weren't performing. Interestingly, he happens to be a very good artist, uh, which I don't think anybody knows this about. Does he do watercolors, uh, drawings, uh, oil paints, photography? What I've seen him do is drawings and uh, usually functional uh, things. Like he drew drew this really uh, good picture of the way he wanted his house to be. And uh, I thought, wow, that's that shows a level of skill that, you know, he could have easily have been an artist. So he's very good at explaining what he wants because of this. You know, he, he sees very well. He he knows what he wants. And that also uh, me designing the things for the band kept it so that he could actually explain what he wanted and be sure to get it working with me. You know, like the banner behind us right now uh, on this on this last tour. Uh, that's an artwork started out as a piece that I did called Eclipse. And that was based on another work called uh, Solstice. He saw these two works as something that could be large and behind us, but he had he wanted to change it a little bit. He said, I want a whole bunch of Zeppelins. For some reason, he had a very specific number too. I think it was 33. I don't know for sure that that was a number, but I'm saying it was like not a number like we want 40 of these. It was some odd number. And I did put exactly that number on there. And there are things like that in a lot of the uh, drawings uh, for the merch. And, uh, you know, he'll just say, I want this specifically. And that's what I create for him. It's part of how you and I got connected was your, your art, because you had done drawings of the band members, pencil drawings, that were so uh, lovingly attended to and in in reverence to the band members of Led Zeppelin, the gorgeous, gorgeous pencil drawings. And then I had seen they were for sale that you had prints and I'm like, okay. So I did that. I bought each one as they came out because there was a time in between each drawing and Jimmy was the last, (laughs) the last Uh one to come to come around. And so, but the artwork is expansive for you because I do see it in your photography and your photography. I relate to it so much because it reminds me a lot of my own aesthetic in terms of what you look at and what you see and how you see things. And the photography is beautiful. Some of the pictures I've seen. And then the graphics, of course, on the merch is very much of the vein of Zeppelin, but each piece that you've done, like for the shirts and for the the backdrops and stuff has had a very unique ethereal aesthetic to it that's very highly designed and polished. Thank you. 
Um, the Led Zeppelin series, you, 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 the Led Zeppelin series, you hit right on the head when you said that it was a focus upon trying to capture something. For me, it was the spirit of the individual in the individuals in the band. I uh, really wanted to, you know, capture something important about who they were. And if you look at each one, they're from my perspective. Uh, you know, John Bonham. When I drew John. I wanted it to be from the same vantage point that I had. I stand in a very specific location on the stage. And the reason is uh, because I'm not actually the front man of this band. <laughs> you know, it's Jason. So I want to get out of the way while he's drumming so people can see what they've come for. I stand right over on the side and there was this picture of John looking very, very uh, intent through Maybe he may have seen uh, maybe the camera or something, but the way he's looking, it just reminds me so much of Jason and that sort of uh, the, the stare that he has. He's, he's very focused uh, and John has it too. So that one to me was a very important, important thing to capture with John. While I was drawing that one, Jana, I uh, had nearly finished it and I'd put it right up there on the shelf, on top of the shelf, because it was a safe place up there. It was on a rigid piece of glass. There was uh, ivy along the top of the uh, shelves up there. And uh, I placed it on top of it and it fell and it shattered. So the uh, drawing, you know, Avril heard it first. She said, something has happened. And she came upstairs and I uh, came down here to see glass all over the floor. And there was the drawing in what seemed to be uh, some state of being creased. It just didn't look good at all. Uh, but as I started to brush away the glass, I realized the drawing had survived. So um, an interesting thing about that particular drawing is that it uh, nearly didn't happen. The one with Robert, I thought his nature, you know, the, the uh, picture of him with the dove, that. That's a smoking hot picture, by the way. <laughs> I mean, just, just as a teenage girl with posters in my room. Yes, <laughs> I had that one. Not even as a teenage girl. Shit, I could have it here now. They released doves at the show. Yeah. And one of them circled around a couple times and came and landed. I mean, what are the chances of this happening? But I think that's the magic right there. The same with Jimmy. You know, when I when I drew Jimmy, uh, I wanted to capture the magic. And uh, I thought the theremin did that very well because Jimmy is the magician. And uh, he's willing sound through, you know, sculpting it with his hands without touching an instrument. Uh, I thought that that was uh, the way that Jimmy should be portrayed. Now, his guitar is there, but just a tiny little sliver of it. Mm -hmm. uh, I think uh, the fact that it's all being manifested from this individual's head uh, was something that I really wanted to portray in Jimmy Page. I thought having a situation where he wasn't touching anything, but, you know, he was he was uh, manifesting his uh, sound. That to me was what was really important about capturing Jimmy Page. John, uh, meaning John Paul Jones, for me, that particular image seems to be uh, one of the best ones that depict his musicianship without, you know, having uh, several pictures to do that because John, John Paul Jones had 
uh, a great deal of talent that went outside of playing bass. There's no question he was a great part of the writing uh, in Led Zeppelin, but he also had these other instruments that he could perform on. Uh, so just endlessly resourceful uh, in the band. And uh, that particular image caught that for me. And I don't even know particularly what it is about it, but uh, I knew it immediately when I saw it. <laughs> How do you feel about the place of art in people's lives? I mean, because you're multi-expressive in your beingness, you you went to art school, you, you majored in fine arts and graphic design. So you got sort of the technical and the creative. So art obviously has been a huge part of your life. And then you played guitar and then you sort of stopped and that went dormant and you brought it back and, and the photography. So I understand because I live my life that way too, that I'm always expressing, I'm writing, I'm posting, I'm sharing, I'm thinking, poetry, photos, whatever it is. And so I understand that I don't even question it in my place in my life, but I understand for a lot of people, they struggle with that. They don't feel worthy. They get insecure. They get... Um, doubtful there's a lot of fear they don't have confidence or whatever it is to find that expression so knowing that art's been a huge part of your life without even thinking about it right with air how do you encourage people because I'm sure they look up to you and ask you your thoughts on things or hey dude how do you how did you get to that point or I could I I only can draw stick figures and look at how amazing your art is I wish I could draw you realize there's so many people that walk through life unrealized in their expression. And you seem so realized in your expressions. So talk a little bit about the importance of that. Well, I think one of the things that really drives my imagery is that, that I uh, have an immense sense of gratitude for the things around me. Uh, we try to spend a lot of our time outdoors because it's easy to find things and subjects. Really. Uh, get to know and paint or photograph. What I hope comes through in my images is that the, the, the gratitude uh, that you have in, in, in this moment, right now, what's happening and uh, involving yourself in it and looking more closely at, at what's around you. Uh, because I think so often uh, we, we have the voice of uh, the future that comes into play for us and we get on that train of thought or the voice of the past. I think that the problem with these things is when you're thinking about the future, you're, you're thinking about something that hasn't happened and you really don't know what is going to happen. So you can get all worried about it or whatever it is that you do with the future, but it's still not going to be an accurate representation of anything because it doesn't exist yet. Mm -mm. The past no longer exists. So if you get too stuck in the past, you're either worried or focused on something that is behind and no longer exists. Uh, if you're right now, you can listen to the sound, you can look at what the light is doing. These things get us back to what right now is and allow us to appreciate it in big ways. Uh, when we were just in Florida, we found ourselves uh, walking around quite a bit, not just uh, Avril and I, but the band too, you know, 
uh, taking long walks because we really are grateful to be doing this again. For the past two years, we've just been wondering, you know, maybe the dream is over. And that was a really scary proposition, but allowing ourselves to be what it what we are now is how we uh, sort of kept sane through it. And that was creating artwork for me personally. Some of the other guys in the band uh, wrote music and worked uh, with other individuals. But uh, the idea that it was changing, I think that that's when you have the ability to go, go find something new in the now. We're very fortunate to be back doing this. So the, the grateful uh, things that happened, well, like we had an eclipse on this tour. And I had been telling the band about this, uh, you know, event that was coming. And uh, everybody seemed sort of like, wow, this is great. You know, this is the, the greatest eclipse in over, uh, of the moon in over 500 years, uh, the most direct alignment. And everybody sort of talked about it a little bit. And that was it. Well, Dorian, he texted me at four in the morning. and He said, are we doing this? And uh, yeah, we got out there and we uh, checked out the eclipse right while it was happening. And it was a profound moment. Uh, we were uh, experiencing something that no one in our time has experienced. This was nearly perfect eclipse. And it uh, made us think a little bit about our time and what we're doing with it. You know, the experience of uh, having that moment, you know, it was very, very grounding and very uh, real and happening right now. And uh, so we got a lot of pictures and things of... Uh, that event, but it was it was really very uh, special to to be able to document these things, and that's what I do with my artwork. Is I try to capture the the things that are going on either uh, right around me or things that I know very well. Yeah, and I could say that when you were describing everything, it makes me think as a backdrop is this idea of a spiritual path. And I know we hear that over and over and over again, ad nauseum, and it's sort of a cliche. However, I've come to really understand that expression and art is a form of conversation with ourselves and call it spiritual or not. But that's what I teach people how to tap into those parts of themselves, whether they're trying to document or receive what's happening in life in a new way or a new relationship to things that are going on with themselves. And what I've found is a, not everybody has capacity B not everybody has desire C people don't really understand and they're overwhelmed or afraid. And I think particularly with what's happened with the last couple of years, however, I will say in all of that is the juxtaposition or the paradox is that people are still finding themselves doing those things anyway. We can't not create or express. And whether it's on a spiritual path or an understanding of how we come to know what we know or feel what we feel or see what we see, the, I think the gratitude that you mentioned of being in that moment or being able to connect with each other. I mean, how beautiful is that, that there was a willingness amongst you to even share in that because not everybody's always in that place of that. It can evolve and it should, and it does. And if the presence is about connecting 
at that level. I mean, to me, it's all about the receiving of it and being with it and getting out of your head because your head's always going to tell you everything you should do or might not do or can't do. And the path between your head, your heart, again, you hear it all the time. But to me, expression is the bridge. Expression is the conduit. Expression is the component or element that if you give it out, you receive it back and it comes back in different ways that you can't even possibly imagine taking those photos. Well, you know, that's so true. Uh, even from, uh, you know, cave paintings, I think uh, so often their intent was uh, more of a, a functional thing where, you know, they were foreseeing what they were going to be doing. So painting is a way of manifesting. Here's an example. When I was a kid, the photos all over my walls were Led Zeppelin. So at some point, what it is that, you know, you see the cave painting of the, the horse and the, the, the person who's trying to take the horse down in the cave painting. And there's, there's sort of a uh, focus of your willing in the world, a, a, uh, a nudge towards something. Mm -hmm. And enough times, and uh, it will, as you said, manifest uh, in some way. Even paintings that I do, I have an appreciation of the various subjects, but there's also topics that keep coming up over and over again. And I think that there's a, there's a, a level of healing that goes on through painting. One of the things that was pointed out to me, I wasn't even aware I was doing, is there is the idea of water in most of my paintings, hmm. which I hadn't noticed at all because, you know, some of them are paddles, which that's not water, but it is a tool that you use in the water. So mm -hmm. to see it in a lot of my work makes me believe that there is something that I'm working through still to this day. Mm -hmm. I have an idea of what it was. When I was very small, I nearly drowned. It could be that there's something about that uh, level of not knowing you're safe anymore. Mm -hmm. Something of that nature that compels you to... Uh, go, you know, uh, to the side of the brain, which does the artwork and, and reside there for a while and paint it might be the process of working through it, even in the, in the, in the context of the, uh, work that I do, that it's more represent representational, uh, for, uh, musicians or something of that nature. There's still the detail and I'm trying to appreciate it on a level that is, uh, a true tribute. If you've had a chance to look at some of the, uh, the the drawings that you own, if you look at a very, very small little section of them, I'm trying to get every last thing all right. And that may say something about me. I don't know why anyone would need to go to that level. You can, you can have a photograph. I think because it's honest. Yes. I think for you, it's about honesty for you. And it's not about depicting something in a way that everybody else understands it. I think you want to pay tribute to the moment and the honesty of that moment. And you don't, you not only do you not want to miss anything, there's a respect and a connection that goes with it that you really honor. Yes. The, uh, the honor of it. That's exactly right. Yeah. Um, another thing about the drawings that supports that is usually I, I start with faces because faces are difficult to capture, not just oh, that's John Lennon or, you know, anything like that. I'm speaking of really capture it so it's real. 
uh, some essence of who they are exists in the photo. I had recreated uh, the, the John Bonham that you uh, know as the, uh, for the Led Zeppelin series is actually the second one I began. The first one was very good. Uh, I think most people who saw the face said, oh, definitely, that's perfect. But there was something about it that didn't quite capture his nature exactly. And I restarted it. <laughs> I still have scans of it, uh, but I would never uh, allow it to be close. It would have to be exact for me. And that's because well, you weren't there then at that moment where you could be so open to whatever it was that kept, connects you in a way that keeps it honest. I mean, for whatever it is, right? Yeah. And music is that way for me too. I want it to be very, very uh, much about the intent, the intent of uh, what they were doing. And uh, you can, you know, being the, the, the uh, shaman, you can, you can guide the journey and tell it with your own inflection a little bit. But, um, you know, I really, really uh, think the intent was right. And I understand so exactly what you're saying. I do. I understand exactly what you're saying. I mean, I work with people, they come to me from all walks of life and they want to write a book or they want to write more or they want to use writing as a way to connect to themselves at a deeper level and maybe heal something. And so I use uh, a little bit of, well, a lot of it is intuition. When, when I'm working with people, I'll be able to pick up on things. I read between the lines. I know it's a corny cliche, but it's true. And whatever it is that they're saying, I will work with them and I'll have, I'll do prompt work where I'll say, okay, broom. And then they're going to write, write, and they don't know what the hell they're writing. And I say, look, don't judge it. Don't, don't be uh, critical before you even have a chance to finish it. Just go with what's there. And then they'll show it to me. And then we'll start talking about it. And whatever they intended, they don't even understand it themselves. But the truth is there. Like it comes out in their writing. And I have seen how profound it is once they they start to make those connections, like you said, that everything relates to water or whatever, and you didn't even realize it, but that connection for you of what that, that means is a, an invitation is what I call them. Uh, there's no expectations whatsoever when you're writing. It should be about a, having a conversation and the invitation might lead you to something else to another insight. And from there, you know, insight into insight. But what's so amazing is once those connections are made at that level, people understand their own intent, intention or whatever, whatever it is that that's there, that's trying to come up and they start to connect those dots. It's, yeah. it's like, I've seen people just completely transform and light up and, and understand that their voice, their expression, their experience, who they are ultimately uh, matters. To be able to draw people, to be able to convey their essence and give them that back in some way or somebody who loved them. Like think about Jason, right? Think about you giving him that of his father. He's probably seen a million things about his father, but he, he will feel what it is that you gifted of that essence to him, you know, I think that's something that's undeniable. Right on. 
that's uh, to me the the greatest reward of it. You know, I think that when someone else can appreciate it, because really trying to immerse yourself in something to the point where you are that thing is uh, that's sort of a consistent theme in my existence. You know, and maybe my guitarist's life as well. He's immersed himself in it so much that he's taken on mannerisms and things that. Uh, he and I are not terribly different in that respect. We are watching very, very carefully and uh, trying to, uh, you know, be a part of something to the level where that it becomes us. So, uh, yeah, and even in the paintings, it's the same thing. You know, it's uh, something, often my paintings reflect my uh, life up north, our life up north. And trying to capture that to the level that you can experience it right now, even though we're only there in the summertime. We come south for uh, the winter. We, we have uh, a lot of things that sort of are about, uh, you know, the most recent photographs that we took on the beach. We had a little bottle that we were filling up with tiny uh, shells you know, trying to get something that you can feel like you've got the beach with you and now you can take that. That's what the painting is. That's what the music is. You're trying to be in it to the level that uh, you are it. And uh, you are, that was one of the things on, we said on the bus a lot, this tour, we're the same thing. Uh, sort of as a joke, but, you know, as a band and as friends, we are one thing. You know, it's uh, you are what environment you're in. You are the people you are with. All of the things that you have around you are you. Having that understanding is uh, something that artists definitely feel all the time, you know, because they're always putting themselves into it to a, a level which a lot of people don't have the, uh, the bandwidth for. A lot of people uh, don't have the time for. Uh, it's... It's about uh, being part of it and capturing part of it, you know. Yeah, and it's it's amazing when you when you can start to make room for an allowance for those forms of expression that gift back not just to the people around you but also yourself to where you can learn and discover and. Um, I don't know. We're not all we think we are. Like, that's what I keep telling myself. There's so much about myself. I don't even know. I'm just scratching the surface. And every day something comes up or somebody says, oh, I read that and it really touched me or, or they come and they do a retreat with me over a weekend or, you know, whatever it is, however, I come in contact with, with people who desire to have a deeper level of connection to themselves. I'm always so in their corner and ready to help and support and guide in any way I can, because this to me feels like the opportunity in life that we're given the fulfillment. So nice. When you, when you go on a retreat, what is, what is the thing that you do that disarms someone to begin to begin to uh, feel a little bit free to express themselves? What that is, is a really great question. I, I love that question. And I don't know that I've been asked that before. Well, one, I recognize that meeting people where they are in their creative process is the most important first step because people have deep, deep, deep desires and deep, deep, deep fears and information's everywhere. Information's everywhere. So for them, 
they can go and look online about how to write a paper or whatever, but what they need is support. So what I give people, I think, is an initial place of comfort and safety. And I've been told that a lot that I make people feel super, super safe. And um, that's like the most important first step. And so that that is a disarming thing because I don't think we're given the permission or, or space or encouragement to, to be in those places. I think we're, we're told in our lives about the red pens, if a sentence didn't work well, or, you know, there've been a lot of, there's been a thousand moments when we've been told why we can't or why we shouldn't, but only very few rare moments where we're given the permission or the willingness or the safety to try. I take that trust very, very sacred and everybody's different in where they are. So I think recognizing where they are in their own process and respecting and honoring that it's going to not going to look how I want it to look. I don't even, I'm the conduit. I have nothing to do with it. I'm there to just shepherd people along. I don't need the recognition or the glory necessarily. I appreciate it if somebody's grateful for what I've provided, but I don't, I don't have, I don't feel like I have my own ego in the mix to where their outcome is based on my perspective. It's not about my perspective. It's about what I'm going to do for them to help them help themselves, I guess. Right so, on. and the possibility of possibility, that's something I talk about a lot in the work is the possibility of possibility, because I don't even think people understand what's possible. You know, there's a lot of conditioning and a lot of fear and we're so tender and we're so vulnerable and we really want to be seen and we really want to express and we really want to connect and we don't know how and we're overwhelmed and we feel small in a big world sometimes. And so to help people feel that there's a place for them, that they belong even within themselves, I think is the gift. That's, that's really a uh, very good cause. I think, uh, so often uh, it could be something that dates way back to their childhood, creates a situation when they don't feel free uh, to express themselves. In my household growing up, my mother was uh, very good about, uh, like our living room had my paintings on the walls. So, uh, and it didn't matter what I painted. I, we had a Led Zeppelin painting on our wall. <laughs> Do you have a picture of that painting? I want to see that. I can find that for you. Yeah. Um, I had uh, painted a full size, uh, a wall with a full size kiss on the wall, uh, sort of like the Destroyer album cover, if you can. Right. Uh, but yeah. she was really good about me doing stuff like that, you know? Sure, go ahead, paint your wall. <laughs> So uh, I think that that's something we should all try to do for our children, you know, try to give them the freedom to uh, explore music and, and uh, visual things as well, uh, so that they can uh, really experience these uh, wonderful gifts that uh, we should all know the languages, you know, I think to take your child to a uh, museum or uh, uh, play a lot of music around the house and a lot of different types of music. Yeah. Have a vast vocabulary of music because we wanted them to know Led Zeppelin, of course, but we also wanted to make sure they knew classical music, uh, 
we wanted to make sure they understood what jazz was. And so a lot of things were being played at the household. And of course, they've all found their own music, but they all really appreciate uh, the, the great bands too, because uh, whenever we had the opportunity, you know, we'd burn a CD for them of the songs they wanted. And then we'd sneak on a couple of songs that were our own favorites, you know? Right, right. And it seems like with things um, always changing and we're living in weird times, but things have always been weird. And so the things I try to help and I instill in my own kids and in myself as a child of my own expression is what I look to is hopefully when I, when I think about my life and where I want to be, I just want to be fulfilled. I don't believe in the notion of happiness. I think happiness is bullshit in some ways, not that you can't be happy or not that happiness is something to aspire for, but it becomes a false ideal because it's fleeting in its very nature. And so when we can become fulfilled and we become realized, then we can find moments of happiness. We can appreciate them in such a different way if they're coming from a place without the false expectation of how we're supposed to live, right? Because we have the, our whole lives are given the constructs of who to be and how to be. So if you leave a couple of breadcrumbs of a couple of songs that you like on burning a CD for your kids, maybe those are the songs that inspire them to pick up a violin or a flute someday, or, you know, and if that's going to fulfill them and that's going to give them something of themselves, I mean, how, I, I don't know, it just feels so magical. And you seem like somebody who knows how to find fulfillment. Maybe that's why I wanted to have the conversation with you. And feel like I've known you is because I always appreciate you doing your own expression in your own way for your, it feels like your own fulfillment. Like I get that you get that. I really like that you use that word too. Fulfillment is exactly where it's at. Um, you know, with the, the, the photography that you uh, see us post, it's because we're taking time to to get out and make sure that our existence. I often even say that uh, in in company, you know, I'll I'll uh, uh, point out that we could do something with this time, you know, and whatever it is, it could be a challenging moment too. And and pointing out that challenges usually open up the opportunity to be a hero. So. Uh, maybe you can think of a way to respond to what is now in, uh, uh, in our existence and find a way to really uh, surf that wave well. And every moment should be an attempt at that, you know, finding what is your, you know, are you going to get up at 5 a.m. and watch the mist over, over the water or are you going to sleep in really late? And I think that if you've got one shot at it, get up and see the eclipse, you know, do these things because you will be glad. You know, I always say to, to my close friends on the bus, I'll say, you know, when we're 85, we will remember this. How do you navigate? I mean, it's, it's great to talk about all this and in, in concept and eat, we can wax and wane and have a, have a glass of champagne or tequila or whatever, and have an all night conversation by a fire pit. Cause it's so deep. But the practicality of it, how do you balance 
being in your life when, you know, you've had a life where you can go and live on the island and it's very peaceful and very uh, manageable and simple. And then you're on the road doing these tours and there's people that want your attention and your time and um, logistics and just life on a bus and everything. So how do you balance such a contrasted life? For us, because we have these different existences that are uh, polarized, you know, the, our uh, place here is is very uh, modern, and uh, our place in Canada is very basic. Uh, it has lights, but they're propane lights. So mm -hmm. it has running water, but it's because there's a tank on a tower right behind the house. Uh, it's heated with firewood, and uh, it's very very basic. So you you have uh, a longing for the various things that you have uh, uh, as your other parts of your existence. Uh, I miss my, uh, my band uh, when I'm not on the road with them. We have our own home existence, you know. We're flying around, yes, and we're riding the bus, but it's, uh, it's family. And we've... we've uh, had a lot of time together of all the, you know, you think about how much time you spend with most people. Well, several of these people I've been with for over a decade now. And that you, uh, you, you find that uh, you, as a family, you, you, you all are growing at the same time. And you'll notice something about some other person that you're with um, that, you know, maybe in some way, uh, their growth is uh, important to you, or it may be uh, uh, something that you can see that they've been working on for a long time that's very important to them. Uh, it's really good to have that uh, span to uh, watch that type of thing. And, and all of our existences allow us to uh, have that sort of longing to return to whatever it was that was uh, north, south, or on the road. Is it hard to stay grounded in the in the contrast? Because I do have a few friends who are are in major touring bands. I, I would imagine not not the trappings or whatever of touring and stuff, but but how do you stay grounded when you know you're given all the perks and all the attention and all the you know, you're sleeping in nice hotels and you're doing nice things. You're getting the little bags left for you. And the <laughs> oh, I get it. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, I actually have a little video of the, the room I'm in or something because it, you know, it can be really nice. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, just to share with the kids, this is what I'm doing today, you know? Yeah. Um, but uh, for me, I'm in a really good place uh, with this particular thing that you've proposed because. I'm not actually the star, so I, you know, uh, I, I uh, find it easy to go and do my job. Star in the moment when you're on stage and everyone's screaming and look at you and you got your shades on and you're doing that whole thing. I mean, it's kind of weird because it might be like two different people in some ways, but even it's all you. But ah, that's interesting you say that because I uh, did take I. I was uh, working for a company for many years before I started doing the music again, uh, 15 years, in fact. So um, my boss uh, 
wanted to come. I never told her I played guitar or sang or anything. You know, it was one of these moments. She's, you play in a band? And I was like, yeah. And why don't you come to see the show in Chicago? So she came out. And uh, after the set was over, she just looked at me. She said, who are you? That's <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> Such a juxtaposition between like watching yourself and being in it at the same time, you know? Yeah, it's, it's easy for me um, to think of it as this is uh, Jason's band. So that's probably how I personally get through it. Um, you know, I don't have, uh, I had one incident when somebody came up to me and they were like, ah, could you please sign this drum head? <laughs> and I was like, of course, you know, my wife's right next to her. I was like, of course I can. So I scrawl my name across the drum uh, head and I hand it back to him and he looks at it and I could just see his expression just melt. He's like, I had just signed my name on something that he thought he was handing to Jason Bonham. Yes. So yes. that sort of got me into the reality of who I was. That was early on too. Um, understanding uh, that, uh, yeah, maybe my, my friend here is very, very famous, but there are very few people who actually know me. <laughs> You know, you can go to a restaurant and do what you do. It's not like, you know, where he might be recognized. I, I was recognized once when we were walking through the neighborhoods. We have uh, a lot of open space out here. So we walk. We were walking down the street and somebody pulled up in a car and he said, James, Evrell. And I'm thinking, oh, Evrell must know this individual. So we're talking, talking for about 30 minutes. And uh, finally, the individual pulls away and we both looked at each other. Who was that? <laughs> <laughs> but he did come by again. And it turned out that uh, our postman had told him that we lived in the area. So it was uh, uh, he already may have kind of known that we were around. And uh, when he spotted us walking, knew that that must be us. But it was sort of a funny thing. And I've come become very close with him since then he he likes race cars and fast cars and uh music so uh this this guitar actually was one he gave me over here this uh 12 string oh my god that's gorgeous yeah, it's it's a phenomenal instrument it's uh, one of my most cherished uh instruments and uh i just felt really blessed uh that uh that was another thing where our worlds just sort of lined up you know, uh, he's a neighbor. He, he lives less than 15 minutes from here by walk. So, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of an interesting uh, dichotomy, I think. I, I, I wonder how people who have been famous for decades, you know, you think about how Mick Jagger moves in the world or how I, I can't even imagine what they, they go through. They're probably still normal dudes in some ways, but in some ways they're really not because they're not living in a reality that most of us live in but they've seen some shit. They've traveled the globe. You know, they've met some people, they've had conversations, they've suffered huge loss. They're always under scrutiny. You know, there comes, there's other, other parts of it that, that come with it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, as I was saying before it, for me, it's, I get the best of both worlds in a lot of ways, you know, um, I definitely see people like Mick Jagger is, is uh, that's, that's a whole nother level of fame. 
And it, it would be, be very difficult, as you can imagine, uh, anybody that's in that world where they can't even walk down the street without being recognized. I will tell you something interesting about Mick Jagger. Just in our last week of uh, touring, uh, they happened to be down in Hollywood as well, in Florida. And uh, he announced that we would be there the next night. <laughs> Mick Jagger did. So uh, being a big Stones fan myself, that seemed pretty huge to me. So I wrote to all my people, uh, you know, just a, a mass email. Tonight, Mick Jagger of the Rolling Stones announced at a Rolling Stones concert that uh, JBLC was going to be playing the next night. And they all were like, oh, great. You know, but I was thinking, come on, you guys, it's Mick Jagger. I Oh my God, that, you know, you're going to have a whole book of these. You're going to have to collect some of these moments because that's pretty substantial. Yeah. That's something. I thought it was. It's that's a big Jack. deal. How many dates do you do in a, in a tour typically? How long is it? Three months? Yeah, depending upon, uh, uh, you know, when our last time, sometimes we tour three times, for example, if we're going to two or three times in a year, there needs to be breaks that are strategic so that, uh, you know, we, we also have times with our family. We all have families. So um, it's nice that this band has members that all are sort of doing the same thing because uh, it allows us to, uh, uh, like I got to see my daughter graduate from college. That was a really important one. Um, and, you know, various other things are being set up to uh, work around what uh, the important things are in life. And uh, having that flexibility is wonderful too. You know, being a band that can actually call the shots a little bit in that regard. One of the real uh, blessings that we've had, we haven't missed the really important family things. I wanna say something about family things. Jagger Bonham is following in his father's footsteps and now is playing music. He'd done a lot of uh, uh, things that were uh, rap oriented until now. Uh, it was really nice to hear uh, the, the stuff that he's been working on in recent times because he can sing really well. And uh, his music, he's writing uh, on a level that is just great writing uh, and his father's playing on the music. So uh, if you're interested in checking out Jagger Bonham stuff, look for it out there. It's uh, the next generation of Bonham's uh, uh, contributing to the legacy. <laughs> yeah, well, we need that. The legacy is is bigger than all of us. It's going to take all of us to keep it keep it alive and expressed and interpreted and internalized. Do you guys write to, uh, together anything original that maybe you don't release or don't share? Do you have a chance to see where that that muse takes you guys together? Yes, uh, <clears throat> a few of us do. Uh, there's been moments when all of us have uh, been writing together. There are several of us that uh, write music together. And uh, I think that there's an acceptance of what we are and uh, maybe uh, a level of trying to respect that, that has sort of, we don't want to uh, put something out and be compared to Led Zeppelin because that's a big order right there. Graham Van Fleet doesn't seem to think so. <laughs> well, you know, what do you think? I mean, uh, I enjoyed it. It's to me, it's uh, music that is uh, delivered in the right spirit. And uh, I really like what they're doing. Yeah. Uh, 
secretively go and look at all their stuff online because uh, I think uh, these kids are having a lot of fun and uh, it's nice to see that uh, this music isn't forgotten. When anybody is compared to Led Zeppelin, not just us, Greta Van Fleet, it is going to be a really, really difficult thing to measure up to be. I would say, uh, you know, has prevented us on some level, but we do right. Yes, we. Uh, it's good. That if if we release something, it probably won't be as JBLZE. Uh, have a pen name equivalent for an album. I don't know what that is. When yeah. you know, authors have a pen name, you have to have a whatever that is a vinyl yeah. name or. <laughs> it would probably be the best way to do it. You know that yeah. way. Uh, you know it's uh, it's its own thing. Uh, I will tell you this, the guys in the band, particularly Dorian Hart's song, he writes very, very well. And I hope that at some point in time, uh, people will be able to hear the stuff that he works on and uh, some of the things that I've worked on with him. Uh, Jason as well, for a drummer, he knows a lot of instruments, uh, phenomenal songwriter. So uh, hopefully uh, at some point you guys will hear more of that. I can totally feel it. I mean, it does make sense. And there will be, of course, the, you know, the, the influences of Led Zeppelin in that. But uh, to uh, do it as JBLZE, just uh, I don't think it's occurred to any of us to do that, you know. So what's happening in the you just finished a tour. So what what are you guys looking at going into 2022? What's ahead for you personally? What's ahead for the band? What's um, musically, we've uh, talked about uh, there are several things that are being proposed as we speak, and uh, it looks like we're all going to be able to do it. So we're hoping that uh, the current situation with uh, COVID is kept in check to the level where it would be safe for everyone. We want to, uh, on this last tour, uh, there were a lot of uh, things that were put in place. We wanted our protocol to be excellent, regardless of uh, when you get this many people on buses, there are going to be people of differing opinions. So right up front, uh, what Jason did was he he uh, made sure everybody knew what the expectations were to make this happen and uh, said, you know, is this something everyone wants to do? Here's what how we see it going forward. And when we walked into the venues, everybody was following the protocol to the T uh, regardless of their own personal thoughts, so that uh, hopefully these venues uh, can have that level of trust uh, that uh, regardless of those individual views that they know exactly, you know, I know that would open up a, a conversation on, on where live music is with these things. We are sort of being dictated to by Live Nation and what they see as the best way to proceed. Uh, so even in our own camp, there's a lot of it that is being suggested, and uh, hopefully it'll create a situation where all the acts that we all want to see uh, can do this safely. It felt to me that it went very well. We didn't have anyone uh, come down with COVID or anything for that matter, uh, which may be you know, a little bit of a testimony to the level that the guys uh, thought it was an uh, important thing. Uh, you know, and it, it also reflects that thing I was saying before, you know, we joke a little bit about all being one thing. There's a lot of truth to that because the people around you are what you are. If all these people are presenting JBLZE in the same way, 
uh, it helps a lot to, uh, to, to give that level of trust that some places would need. So there will be tour dates. And I know I just moved to uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, like a year ago. You always came through Portland. So I'll either have to catch up with you somewhere else, come to the next best thing. I'll have to, unless I can talk you into talking him into finding a way to New Mexico, because it sure is pretty here. You know, there's been a lot of jokes about uh, maybe borrowing Sammy's jet and having the JBLCE logo put on the side of it for one tour. If we do, I'll, I'll send the jet for yes. you. Okay, thank you. <laughs> I won't say no. <laughs> and I won't expect little chocolates or champagne. I'm fine. I'll just bring my, you know, my own Diet Coke and some nuts and I'm good. But um yeah, I mean, I think having conversations around what's going on in the future. And then what about for yourself? Are you going to, do you have more drawings, more art, more, more? Uh... Working on one right now. And, uh, you know, I don't know for sure how long the time will be. I hope to have time to do more paintings, but uh, I also love to play music. So uh, I'm going to let, you know, where I'm pulled dictate that a bit. Um at some point in my existence, I want to do a ton of painting. So hopefully uh, down the road at some point that will happen. Uh, as far as uh, the Zeppelin series, yes, there are four drawings completed. There is a fifth drawing that is going to be uh, completed. And that is one of Jason Bonham in Led Zeppelin at the uh, celebration. Oh, two or whatever? Yes. Yes, mm -hmm. performing with Led Zeppelin at the uh, celebration day uh, mm -hmm. at the O2 Arena. Mm -hmm. so, uh, yeah, there'll be one more of those for those people who are collecting them. And uh, also uh, the newest uh, painting that I'm working on right now entitled Glee Bay, uh, going to be one that I hope to finish up over the next uh, month. So uh, I'll be sharing that online. Very nice. Well, I'm super excited for you and happy for you and appreciate that you build your life around those connections and those expressions that that mean something and you include your friends and your family in your path oh, oh yes that's to me uh the, the the biggest reward of life the most fulfilling part of life is the people mm -hmm. and if every person would try to connect with as many people uh, as they possibly can and be accepting of, you know, what people's capacities are. I think by the time they reach 85, they will be as fulfilled as their uh, self allowed them to be. I, I can agree, agree with that assessment. And I, I appreciate that we've had a chance to talk about so many interesting things. Yes. And um, you're right, we are the same type. So uh, I hope that uh, maybe at some point we'll be able to uh, uh, spend time in the same place at the same time. Because yeah, agreed. And definitely I want to meet your wife because she's a rock star. I, uh, I adore her and I don't even know her, but I, <laughs> I resonate with how she throws herself into her own experiences and her own life too. I feel it and I see it. Her positive vibe. And uh, I look forward to when you meet her, because I think the thing you were talking about, uh, about dis being disarming uh, in these uh, uh, events that you hold for people to uh, find 
themselves and, and find their expression. There's something about Avril's nature which is is about that, you know, what you speak of, making feel people feel comfortable. That is definitely largely why I was drawn to her, you know. I think, you know, you'd even said this earlier, uh, you know, what we're putting out is what we're getting back. So um, when you meet other people uh, that, you know, either have a smile for you or just put you at ease when you, you know, you start out and you're thinking, oh, this is going to be an interview and you have all these expectations. But, you know, with the right nature, a person can really uh, connect and make you feel at ease. So I appreciate that. I don't. Oh, usually- my God. This is this is my this is my joy. It's absolutely my joy uh, when I have people that come here to Santa Fe for that experience. They don't really understand exactly what they're getting or why they're coming, but then it starts to get clear uh, because first of all, Santa Fe is absolutely magical. There's no place like this on the planet. It's so enchanting and deep and spiritual and- Find yourself in the now. It is, it is. And you know, interestingly, when you say that, you're also in the past at the same time, but you don't even feel it and you don't even understand why, but there's something about the the history and the culture and the um, the magic of this uh, confluence of beauty and history and everything that you just you're part of it, but you don't really understand why. So that does bring the now to life in a very unique way. Cool. I I uh, want you to know that I don't do interviews, and uh, the reason is because I think that so often the connecting is really the thing that makes me want to talk to anybody if somebody is you know got a good vibe you know putting out that's what it was with you you know I was uh, like, no, right I could tell that she's she's cool that's and, sweet uh, yeah but it's it, you know it, you're more coming from a place where you have a lot of things in common with me and uh that certainly helps and it makes me more because I get to learn about you too you know it's it's yeah nice back and forth so I feel like you have a couple of books in you, interestingly. So yeah, I'll talk about that off the off the the recorded grid. So I will finish up this interview by just saying to thanks to James Dillon, amazing artist, singer uh, for Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience and and just an amazing artist and photographer so much respect for everything that you've done. And I appreciate your time here with me. Jenna, thank you so much for having me. It's been a thrill. And uh, I'm really glad that I've uh, gotten to know you better. It's uh, just absolutely wonderful to have a conversation with you. Thanks for listening to Identity Talk with Jenna Lopez. If now's the time to unearth your story, or you just have to write that book, don't let fear or overwhelm stop you. Reach out. I'm here to help you achieve your creative writing dreams. If you've enjoyed what you've heard on this show, share it with someone you think is in need. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. Hey, reach out. Find me at janalopez.com. Janalopez.com.